welcome to Estradile Illusions. We are going to do a solo episode about a film that is not a new film, but one that I've been thinking about a lot. Just rewatched with uh, Tara, who hadn't seen it before. And one that makes me think a lot about, I think it was kind of designed too, but one that makes me think about my own college years and the very role of nostalgia in... I guess all of our lives, but especially my own as a transgender person. I think about this subject all the time. The film is Richard Linklater's 2016 film called Everybody Wants Some, with two exclamation points at the end. It is a uh, very good film by a very good director, albeit one that I... I mean, there are a lot of people who really love Linklater who directed Dazed and Confused and the Before Trilogy and Boyhood. And those are all movies. I mean, the Before Trilogy is great. But Dazed and Confused, I say this as a daily uh, cannabis user, it's not one of my favorite stoner comedies. In terms of, like, the high school narratives, I always preferred Fast Times or the work of John Hughes. In a stoner comedy, I mean, Wet Hot American Summer is the one that I always, like, super-duper love. I do need to rewatch Days and Confused again. Tara hasn't seen it, so maybe my opinion on that will change. But as it relates to Everybody Wants Some, which followed Boyhood, which was pretty much the high point of Linklater's career. A lot of people thought that he was going to win Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Birdman was up that year. I was really rooting for that one. And I mean, I liked Boyhood, but I think Boyhood is something that's kind of more impressive than it is like, oh my God, I really love this. And Everybody Wants Some had to follow this just insanely. I mean, it, Boyhood took you know, over a decade to film. It's really impressive in that regard. And it won all, it got all of the critical acclaim and the awards, and it did really well. And it was following also the final so far of the before trilogy, although subsequent installments would cease to make it a trilogy. But before Midnight was uh, super, super popular and also critically revered. So Everybody Wants Some was kind of seen as a, a bit of a return to the Link Letters roots and just being one of his signature meandering, pseudo-philosophical, I mean, it is kind of philosophical, but mostly of the half-baked college variety, the kind that I, I used to really, I probably still indulge in to some regard, but 10 years after the age that the protagonist of Everybody Wants Some would be, I, uh, I think about this stuff. But this episode is one that, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, you... you it makes sense that you would probably feel like you're you're missing out a bit because I'm doing a podcast on a movie that obviously would probably be better if you had seen it, but I, it's kind of that that's as close to a spoiler rating as I'm probably going to get because it's it's such sort of a meandering narrative with no plot. There's nothing really to spoil. <laughs> A little bit, I guess. If you're somebody who hates spoilers, I would recommend... I, I do highly recommend the, seeing the movie. I've written an article about it. Certainly go ahead and see it, but I don't think you'll miss all that much because this episode is going to focus, I guess, on the more existential questions that the film evokes more so than than an analytical piece on on this specific film. 
Everybody Wants Some takes place. It, it The movie is ostensibly about a baseball team going to, uh, that arrives at college uh, a little bit before the start of the semester to begin preseason. Baseball is obviously a spring sport, but this team is portrayed to be pretty good. They're in Texas. Uh, the protagonist, Jake Bradford, is a freshman, so most of the film is shown through his perspective of what it means to kind of get to college and branch out, and it has a very colorful cast, including uh, Glenn Powell is probably the best. He plays uh, an older upperclassman, uh, Finn Finnegan, doesn't have a last name, uh, Tyler Hoiklin, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, the guy from Seventh Heaven and uh, will be Superman in the new Superman and Lois series was on Super. Probably should have led with the fact that he plays Superman on Supergirl first, but he's getting a spinoff. Uh, he had left. He was also on Teen Wolf, a show that he left to do. Everybody wants some. Uh, and then also Wyatt Russell plays a pretty funny character in that. That that pretty much rounds out the cast of people that you most people would know. Uh, Blake Jenner had been on Glee prior. Uh, Zoe Deutsch, who I is pops up in uh, plenty of other films, is Leah Thompson's daughter. She's probably most known for Sweet Life on Deck. She is the uh, really only female character, only major female character in the film. But so point, lar- larger point being, it's basically like an ensemble comedy with. Uh, no real A-list talent, but a, a, a really good, well-rounded cast that they grow. They grow on you. The thing that's really impressive about this movie is how jockish and kind of annoying the narrative sort of starts to sets off to be, and how endearing the cast is all by the end of it. And it it runs a crisp two hours. So for a narrative that. I think it covers basically a three-day period. It covers right right up to the time that uh, classes start. There's a timer in the movie that that shows this every once in a while, which I, I think is probably there to to make the intentions clear that the film is is supposed to take place over this very short period of time, which is a narrative style I love because I as a critic and as an author, I, I'm always thinking of the fact that. If we're dealing with a book that's like three, even something that's really, really long, like 900 pages, but but for a traditional novel or a two-hour movie, that's a like long period of time. We don't want like a four-hour movie necessarily. You don't want to sit in a movie theater with one. But at the end of the day, that's really 120 minutes with the live with the life of a person or for an event. Movies uh, cover more ground than that in a lot of cases, but. That that's not really all that much time to spend with people, and yet we feel like we're we're supposed to feel like we know these people by the end of it. So I like narratives that are shorter; they they cover a very specific period of time because it feels like, in a lot of ways, when it when it's successful, that you have a deeper understanding because you've gotten to witness the character growth or the development seemingly alongside the characters themselves it they're these are not heroes journeys these are snapshots in these people's lives which ostensibly are supposed to carry a deeper meaning hence the existence of the film preseason was always my i played college water polo club water polo so not really like the baseball team and everybody wants some are supposed to be good nationally ranked 
Our team went to club uh, nationals. I think the year after I graduated, we were we were not that great when I was on the team, and I was not that great. But and this was all before I transitioned. Broader point, but we did take it somewhat seriously. Uh, other people took it somewhat seriously. I didn't really take it that seriously, but not not to draw too many comparisons between a the baseball team set in the movie and my my water polo team. But I, I found that it kind of captured the preseason vibe of. You know, everybody getting to know each other, hanging out a lot, basically hanging out a lot because there's nothing else to do. Your your preseason dynamic. Preseason was always, and, and the summer was always my favorite time of the year to be on campus because campus was basically a ghost town, yet there was always people there. In a lot of ways, it was more fun because you'd end up hanging out with people that you normally wouldn't hang out with just because they were there and you'd do uh, fun things and... I always felt that like once the year got started and people got settled into their routine, spontaneity wasn't as much of a thing. So I always, I always really liked that period. And I thought that this just like, like I I guess the, the most important thing to derive from the fact they're supposed to be good is that these kids are uber, uber competitive, which I wasn't really, I mean, I was a closeted, uh, Stoner who really, <laughs> I, I could swim and I was the lefty, so I had like I had like marginal value as a player, but I didn't really put in a lot of effort. I was there mostly for the partying, which is what the film is about. Which is <laughs> why when I first watched it, I was like, "Oh, this is this is exactly these kids live in this shithole house." I lived uh, for two years in an off-campus house that was a total dump, garbage everywhere. People just fucking around the whole whole day, throwing uh, wild parties at night. So I'm sitting there when I when I first watched, and I'm like, okay, I I literally lived this experience. First time I watched it, I was on the plane coming back from Connecticut to I went to BC. Just throwing that out there because of the scatter shot pace of this narrative. Who the hell knows if when when that's going to work its way back into the narrative, but. So I was on the plane from going from Connecticut back to California. It would have been played within the time frame, probably similar to it was af- after the movie had come out in 2016. But uh, I would have probably seen it around August, and and the this narrative takes place at the end of August. So literally, I was kind of in that mood, and that also kind of matters, I guess. Uh, I mentioned what American Summer earlier. That movie takes place on the last day of camp. If I watch that movie in August, I get emotional because I think that summer is over. And I'm one of those... Uh, summer birthday, my birthday was last week, actually. I have always loved summer. Summer's been my favorite time of the year, so... I always get kind of emotional at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of corona, so why would anyone get emotional? I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess we're emotional because we haven't had a summer now. But I always get kind of... I, it's weird. Dog days of summer, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's a singular time of the year. Nobody really gets emotional when spring becomes summer, unless you're a person, I guess, who really hates summer. But um, I, I just always had a lot of fun in the summer, and I was always sad when it was over. But I was on a plane, and the flight... You can watch basically two movies on the... 
uh, flight from the East Coast to the West Coast because it's a little longer with the jet stream. On the way there, you can typically watch like a movie and a half. But so I had watched Batman versus Superman. And my flight routine, I normally have a couple cocktails in the Delta Sky Lounge, and I'm usually seated in Comfort Plus, which serves free alcohol throughout the flight. So I typically, it's not unusual to have uh, like five or six drinks on, which is a lot, I guess, for most people, but for me especially, because I don't really drink all that much. Uh, We did that episode, Alcohol and Transitioning, a while ago, basically talking about how I don't really drink that much, but planes are kind of the exception. And well, that's a total exception. <laughs> and I uh, was pretty loaded. And uh, Batman vs Superman was—it's like a close to a three-hour movie that doesn't take place over a three-day period of time, like everybody wants some. But oof, is that hard to get through? It's really, ugh, what a mess! I uh, that movie was horrible. And I finished it, and I'd taken—I usually bring a couple of gummy weed gummies, also for. A flight, so I was pretty stoned as well, and I'd had a couple whiskeys, and I wanted something that was like gonna cleanse my palate of this three hours Zack Snyder, Ayn Randian, sad Ben Affleck fighting emotionless Clark. Oh, that movie's horrible. So I'm looking around, and I see that one, and I'm a casual Link Lighter fan. I I don't. There's a lot of critics I know who love him. I think he is uh, generally uh, pretty good. I mean, he's he's very talented, but he's not really the... I. He's often compared, he and Terrence Malick are both from Texas. They both kind of deal with the philosophical, spiritual stuff. Uh, I much, much, much prefer Terrence Malick. I will go on and on about Days of Heaven or The Thin Red Line, even The New World, Tree of Life, I love, I love, I love. Like, letter... You, Everybody wants some is the one I will like gush and gush and gush about. But so I'm on the plane. I'm on the plane. I finished Batman vs Superman, and I'm like I need something that is is kind of a good counterweight to this. So I I put that one on, and I was just really totally engrossed by how well it captured. I don't want to say the college experience because there's thousands of colleges. Everybody has a different experience. It felt like it captured mine. And this would have been circa 2016. So very, very early into my transition. Not that many people knew. Basically, people in California, my parents knew. I wasn't out yet, but I was on my way. And also, for reference, 2016, this would have been three years after I graduated college. Now I'm 29. And and as time goes on, college feels longer and longer and longer ago. Um, That may not have been grammatically correct, but let's just acknowledge it and move move past. I I really didn't have a very easy time of it after graduating because I, I the job market sucked and I didn't know what I wanted to do publishing was was hard all my writing was about college I I was terrified at the time that I was somebody who uh, peaked in college and I had, I had a really great time in college transition at that point was not really on my radar except as something that I've, I've talked about it in other episodes but but that period of my life uh, 
transition-related thoughts. I mean, they were always present, but generally something that could be contained outside of... I mean, I, I would I would get really emotional a couple times a year. It would it just it would build, build up like a pressure valve or something. So, like the first two years, it was just... After graduating, I just... I missed college because college was this place where you could do anything. You could be anything. You could... We created things. It was it was wonderful, and I did a lot of drugs too. Uh, that's probably also what I missed. But uh, I I loved it. I had long hair. I was a yoga teacher. I founded a publication there called The Rock at Boston College, which will hopefully pull through the coronavirus. But I, I really I really had a great time there. I I I felt like you know whether I I I knew I obviously had to transition, but. Uh, I I found happiness there. I was I was doing okay. I was. Yeah. It's hard to say you can really be truly happy before transition, but uh, things were good. And it's it. Well, we're we're getting into nostalgia in a bit because that's kind of the the meat of this episode. But when I graduated, I mean the 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 thing that all closeted trans people, and I'm if you're. A closeted trans person listening. This will be particularly pertinent for you. As you get older, and and all the things that come with aging, post puberty, like hey, you start to worry about your hair. And I had, I still have beautiful long hair, and terrified of losing that. College is this is just, especially. I mean, I was in school at a place like Boston, which. Basically had, uh, I mean, except for in the winter with the frigid cold, you you could do pretty much anything you wanted. Hipster, I mean, it was a hipster's paradise. I saw so many shows in so many, like, sketchy venues that who knows if they'll ever reopen after the coronavirus. It was, it was just, it was, it was magical. I've said that before. I'll probably say it a hundred more times over the course of this episode. It was just wonderful. And then to be away from that, I was living at home for a year after school, and I just I felt horrible. I was like, what, what comes next? And what was coming next was nowhere near as fun as college. Then I got uh, my first publishing contract. I'm like, all right, I'll go to grad school. I'll get in my master's. I'll go back go back in the... If college was uh, the cave in Plato's allegory of the cave, then I'm the person who... Left the cave, thought it sucked, and thought thought outside the cave sucked, and decided to go back into the cave. And a grad school was not the cave. The grad school was a bastardized, awful, terrible version of the cave. But I came out here to California, so let's call that a overall net win. <laughs> and you know, before I transitioned, I, I I think I had an unhealthy relationship with the idea that. I could have been somebody who peaked in college. I have peaked again. So we we know that college will not be my peak. Uh, late 20s could be my peak, but we'll do an episode on that in a few years. We'll see. We'll come and revisit that idea. It's something you just worry about. And especially, I mean, w- w- I'm not... You see all the time the people who... The good old days or... You know, when you when you have reunions with people and you can talk about nothing but the past, uh, it, it seems like it seems like your your best days are behind you. 
And I mean, that's just kind of sad to think about. And I, I, there are plenty of people who just have this unhealthy, uh, uh, just love of their own past. Which, as a trans person, it would be very stupid to have that. Especially in my case, what am I going to reminisce about? And yet, despite that, it would also be very unfair or untrue to say that I, I, I didn't have plenty of individual periods within my life where things were pretty good. I mean, in my case, at least. For some people, that's probably... For a lot of people, that's probably not true. But um, I grew up in Connecticut, right outside New York City, loving family. I, I, I was not really in want of anything in the world. I had a good life growing up. And I'm not nostalgic for that because I, I, I do not want to go back to that period and go back, you know, through the time. It's hard to say if time travel goes to the closet or not. Inherently, you, you would. You can't go back in time and be a girl before I was a girl. But uh, And then this is the problem with nos- you. There, there's, no, there's no way for anyone to look at nostalgia and go back to the way they were and cut out the parts of life that weren't great. And obviously back then there were parts of life that weren't great. In college there were parts of life that weren't great. In my early 20s there were a lot of parts that weren't great. Now there are things that are not great. I'm pretty happy now. I've, I've solved... Now I have l- far less problems uh, in a lot of those regards than uh, I would have before. So now is the good timeline. So there is no point in having nostalgia. And yet nostalgia is also kind of this natural thing that people feel, which is okay. And as I watched Everybody Wants Some, especially the first time I'm sitting in my seat and I, I remember it distinctly. The best, um, I, I like the airplanes that have, they have essentially three rows across, except it typically goes two seats followed by the middle row, middle aisle has like three or four, and then the other side is two. I always love getting the two because you just got with the one person and it's just far less hectic and I can drink as much as I want and not have to worry about anything. Not climbing, climbing over people or having people climb over you. Which is not fun when you're on gummies and you have a nice uh, couple whiskeys. And I'm watching it. And the way that Linklater is is portraying these people, having fun, having parties, just going out and kind of just trying new things, being being new kinds of people almost. I mean, it's kind of the fun of going from high school to college. You get to be somebody else. And that's kind of... These these members of the baseball team are all kind of grappling with that idea. They go to a disco one night, and then they're... Well, they go back to the disco the next night, but they're kicked out because one of their new transfer teammates starts fights and is not the nicest of people. And then they end up at a uh, sort of cowboy hoedown type place. Sort of odd... uh, And then the following night, the final night that the film portrays, they're at a theater party full of hipsters and people in costume. So they're all kind of sort of figuring themselves out. I mean, some of them, some of them are just kind of there along for the ride and others, uh, others are there because they uh, just want to have a good time. And I think that the film is so great at capturing the spirit of that 
I mean, they only show three days. Uh, that's often kind of how, like, the first week, first two weeks before college is. Uh, parties basically every night. And there's a sort of feeling of uh, limitless possibilities, which a college semester is uh, not really going to offer. Not not that <laughs> no experience is, is limitless, but college semesters are short. You know, just look at a fall semester. And this is a school that maybe they have a... I, I, I guess they were shown to have some sort of a football team, but... So you have... Uh, most schools are kind of completely wound down by the end of uh, December, but you've got uh, September, October, and then November has a week off or a week that's basically truncated by Thanksgiving. So the pre-Thanksgiving, you've basically got like 10 weeks. And then, you know, you got like a week or two after Thanksgiving before like everything start with finals starts. And this is, you know, some schools are different than others, but, and some of them even have a fall break as well. There's not a ton of weekends. Uh, I mean, there, and we haven't talked about this yet, but you go to college to learn, apparently. Not these kids. Uh, I, I, I had a lot of fun in college. I'll just leave learning. We save learning for grad school. Sure. (laughs) It's not a lot of time. And I mean, spring semester, you get back at the end of January, February, you got March spring break, and then April, and everything's kind of done by early May. It's not a lot of time. Summer break's really long. It was always fun uh, going to school in Boston, living in Connecticut. I was able to, we had an off-campus house for two summers, uh, lived off-campus for two years, and uh, it was always fun to be able to go back. And just see, I, I always thought that Boston was was a really fun place to be in the summer. A little hot. I did my yoga teacher training up there. It was just, it was a lot of fun. But, I mean, even if you, like, party on, like, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, across those, uh, with 10 weeks, I mean... Best case scenario is, is, is still, like, not that many parties in the grand scheme of things. You're obviously not partying every single night of every single weekend, plus Thursdays. So, I mean, like, the you know, the let the good times roll. The good times will roll, but they're not going to roll for very long. Four years. I mean, time time goes really fast. The subtitle of my uh, first book published, Five College Dialogues, was four years goes by pretty fast. It's true. College, uh, college is over in the blink of an eye, let alone, like, anybody listening is in college right now. My sister's in college right now. But, uh, you know, coronavirus really changed a lot of this stuff. Uh, any kid who was in college during uh, last semester and I guess this semester, that is uh, a lot of their college experience that's gone. It sucks. I mean, even under the best case scenario, and and if you're at a football school, there's a lot of weekends that are dominated by that, whether you want it to or not. It's not that much time. So you really do have to make the most of it. And a lot of that involves going out, getting outside your comfort zone, trying new things. And of course, that doesn't always work, but it's better to try than to, you know, sit around uh, watching 
Netflix or I don't what playing Fortnite, whatever kids do these days. I feel so old now. <laughs> and I guess I mean I iPhones were out by the I think the iPhone came out when I was like a junior in high school. Uh people obviously had technology back then, but I think there's a certain lib- the the everybody wants so much take place in the eighties, uh, very early eighties. There's something kind of beautiful about not having all of that access to technology. You're forced to to be outside of yourself. I think we threw parties for like the first four or five nights before uh, when we first moved into our off-campus house. And a lot of people there we didn't really know. That's kind of how most college parties go. Uh, you're just constantly meeting new people and then meeting them again the next day and forgetting that you had already knew who they were. I was so sad the first night we were there and we didn't have a party and I was like, what's the, it's, it's wait, we have to wait all these days for another, another wild dripper at age. I would have, I think I was 20 at the time. I think I was even maybe 19. It was wild. I, and God, we lived in a shithole that was just like the one in the movie. It's crazy. I mean, it's asinine being older and having been on estrogen for all this time, thinking that it, it, it's literally, it's like a time portal. And Tara went to a small Adventist school, so she didn't really have the college experience that uh, I would have. So it's funny to be able to like say like, you know, I mean, BC is not a big state school, like the, the place depicted in the film, but it was very similar. And it's like, it's, it's funny looking back at the person that I used to be. Another thing that's really fun about the film is uh, they talk a little bit. They, they, when you get to college, and you, you know, especially as a freshman, you think you have your whole college career ahead of you. Especially if you're an athlete, it's kind of the college at the end of the road. For a sport like baseball, uh, at a nationally ranked school, one or two could go to the pros. Uh, a couple could get drafted, but baseball is notoriously hard after you get drafted. Uh, there's so many minor league systems. Low, there's a couple teams even for single A ball. There's double A, triple A. I'm not going to name all of the advanced A, rookie league, all of that kind of stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> Call it, you know, you, you go from being a star in high school or good in high school to being a smaller fish in a bigger pond. That's kind of it. I mean, you could play like Masters Leagues, all of that kind of stuff. But these people who this is their life, they're entering the, the Twilight era of that being their life. That's certainly kind of the case with the water polo team. We had so much fun. And kind of with the idea that that. This is this is it. No matter how good you are at a certain sport or something, I mean, you, you, there 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 is the idea that that's kind of that's that's if the sky is the limits. That is the sky, and it's important to enjoy the ride for as long as it lasts. I mean, honestly, when I was in college, uh, and transition was, I mean, this was a. For for broader context, this is even a this is a pre Caitlyn Jenner era, and transgender equality has come a long way in even five years. And I've been out of college for like seven years, six years, too long. 
and this is even before. I mean, this was like we're talking ten years ago. Transgender equality was was way different back then. So I'm, I'm kind of like thinking, you know, when when you're in the closet and you're not really sure where the, where the where the future is going to go for you, college like really does kind of seem like like that's 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 the peak. So I wasn't even I. Faced with the prospect of like growing old in a male body for me was so horrifying that I didn't think I was going to be alive for that much longer after college. I I I I didn't know, but it's always kind of there. When you deal with the the panic that dysphoria brings a lot, it clouds your mind, and and those kind of sort of dark thoughts that I'm I'm dancing around right now. They uh they seem like that's that's the only reality you've got. And of course, thankfully, uh, went a different course, doing great. But there was the sense I was like, okay, this is it. Gonna have some fun, and I did. And I tried to embrace every. I mean, they, you, you see all the time these people who say, "You don't know what you've got till it's gone." I, I have tried to live my life as somebody who, who tries to always be aware of what I have at the point that I have it, knowing that it could there could come a day when I don't. Because an example, last year when we were going to Disneyland basically every single week, I knew that there would be eventually, I didn't think the coronavirus would happen the following year, but I knew that there would be some point in my life where I didn't get to go to Disneyland every single week. So while we were there, I did my absolute best to... Seize the moment as much as possible because who knows what the world is going to throw at you. And then, of course, the world threw the coronavirus at us. <laughs> and we had already been nine times this year, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I, especially when, when Shanghai Disney was closed and we were there at Disneyland knowing that something was happening with the world. Disney's parks do not like to close. Try to enjoy it as much as I could then. And college was... Uh, it's this time where you 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 don't know and and for young people who who are probably maybe in that boat who are listening as somebody who's twenty nine I mean my best years were not in college they were great years but uh, transitioned and I sorted uh, sorted my affairs I'm in a been in a loving relationship for the past few years. It's different to be able to look back at my college era knowing that that can be summarized and adequately regarded as very, very, very fun years that were not my most very, very, very fun years. Everybody wants some... By taking a narrative that is only like three days... You get to kind of, you get to play footsie with the idea of nostalgia. There aren't, I mean, maybe there are certain people who can say this. I certainly can. But you, you there's no like one year long period that is perfect, that there's nothing bad happens. E- even, you know, you can take, you can take a decade of your life, find the best year. And that year probably has way less bad things than any, the other years. But at the end of the day, you didn't you didn't have three hundred and sixty 
days with no worries whatsoever. Maybe you did. Maybe you've had smaller stretches like that. But long stretches, four-year college stretches are not supposed to be like that. So with three days, much easier to have three really, really great perfect days. And these guys are like, in the movie, the baseball players, uh, I mean, this is a male, male-dominated movie. People who are, I mean, they're, they, they're not egregiously misogynistic. There's some misogyny. I mean, it, it's not, we, we, we could write it off as mundane. And actually, because we have the three days, we really can write it off as mundane. Because we don't know who these people, who these people are. The, uh... Closest thing the film has... Well, the film does does have a romance between Jake, Blake Jenner's character, and Beverly Zoe Deutsch's character. But it's a romance that starts, and uh, our time with it is completed within three days. We don't know if Jake and Beverly stay together. We don't know if Jake and Beverly get married. Actually, I mean, knowing Richard Linklater, he, he may revisited them 10 years down the road with them said that in the 90s i could actually see that happening but for for right now there's no sequel that is the three days that we see them the movie didn't make a ton of money so it seems likely that this is the last we've seen of them i mean who honestly who knows michael keaton may be returning to the role of batman who the hell knows all bets are off but they get three days together and it's it's so passion there's so much passion. It's honestly it's not like it's not unlike if you've ever been on Tinder. You have like a couple really great conversations with somebody and then you meet them and have maybe a really great first date or something and then you don't see them again or or they're busy and the the flame dies and that's kind of that. I haven't been on Tinder in a long time but I had relation. I mean, as a trans person too, I think to some extent I was wish, not wish fulfillment, but uh, I think some people would want to hang out with you just to see what. Out of curiosity, I don't know. This was a couple of years ago too, when trans visibility wasn't even as prominent as it is now. So I mean, this is all speculation. But we know. I mean, one night stands. Those are very short periods of time that can be uh, very passion, passion-driven, passion-oriented, but they're not meant to go forever. And we don't know, a freshman first preseason relationship is probably not destined to go forever. Jake is portrayed to be this character who is artsy, he's sensitive, but he, I mean, he is a jock, he's on the baseball team, we're not supposed to forget who he is. And Beverly is kind of like a freshman theater hipster, Is uh, has a lot of views in the world, which will probably change over the course of her time, as every... I mean, I, I met people who reminded me of Beverly. I probably acted like Beverly a lot, thinking I knew everything, and people's views change and all of that. Not that she's meant to be portrayed as snobbish, but... Who they are in that little snippet of time is not necessarily who they're going to be later on. Just like, honestly, all of us. But, I mean, that's the, the, this is why uh, such a small period of time is fun. We can forgive the lack of ostensible growth because we don't 
have to see growth. People don't have to change in that short of a period of time. I mean, that's fun because, I mean, you, you, you have college friends that you think are going to be your friends forever. But then, like, you graduate, you move, and, you know, you talk to them sometimes, but you, life goes on. And that's not a bad thing. That's, in a lot of ways, a very good thing. And it's normal, but... When I went back to this movie, and I... I it's one that... So I saw it in... It came out in 2016. I saw it in 2016. Probably a few months after it came out. Beauty of Airlines. You get movies right after they come out. And I saw it. I hadn't seen it again until this weekend. Uh, part of the one tangential benefit to the shitstorm we're living in now is it's cleared up time to watch older movies. I still get a lot of screener requests, but I'm taking on fewer than I used to because I had a string of movies that weren't really so good, and I realized there were a lot of classics I hadn't seen in a while, and I wanted... Tara hadn't seen a lot of them, so it was fun to get to revisit those with her. Basically, the uh, drought of, of a lot of new TV has made a lot of this possible. More so the movies. I still get a lot that I'm asked to review, and that's certainly fun. But this is one that I'd, I'd wanted to get to, and we'd watched, like, uh, we'd gotten through, like, Dirty Dancing, Say Anything, Mad Max Fury Road, a lot of classics that Tara hadn't seen. I think Mad Max Fury Road came out a year before everybody wants some, but this is what I just kept kept thinking about. And I finally, I was like, all right, I really want to watch this. And I watched it, and it's this film with this meandering narrative, much like this podcast, which has not really been all that much like the film, about the film. And they're just going through life these three days where a lot of time is spent just doing stupid things like having uh, stupid competitions, getting mad over ping pong, playing a weird game of bloody knuckles, which doesn't seem like a great idea for baseball players. And they're exploring campus, meeting new people, having a great time. And there's just no like Tara kept saying, "What's what's the story? Where's the, where's the plot of this?" And I'm like, "Well, it's a Linklater film. There's no plot, which is true, and it's not true. It is a very uncritical movie. We see that some of these people, particularly Tyler Hoechlin's character, they're probably assholes in real life, not in in the film's real life, which is not real either, but." Outside of this three-day stretch. Probably an asshole. And that's okay. I didn't like everybody on the water polo team. We hung out because teams hang out, but I don't really like a lot of them. Uh, so I point being, I guess, that I could identify with the fact that this team and Jake's role within it, it's not to be friends with everybody. It's to hang out with them because they're there. That's kind of how college grows to be. Especially, like, as a freshman, I, 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 I think probably some of the root cause for my interest in the subject is, as a freshman joining the water polo team, 
before I transitioned, when you're a freshman, when you're a freshman male, you're at the bottom of the totem pole for everybody. You, most parties don't want you because you don't really bring, you don't know anybody who's hosting the party. And, you know, girls of, of any year are welcome at, at parties, but you don't want something to evolve into a bro fest or something. So if you're part of a team, that's kind of your way into parties. So you don't have to drink in your dorm. So as a young freshman, I felt like I had everything figured out. Which, of course, I didn't. But uh, part of the beauty of being a freshman is you're allowed to think these things. And you're trying to find your place in the world. And I was actually also... I mean, I was I was an artsy person who was also an athlete. Club sports makes that pretty easy. That exists in a realm uh, similar to the baseball team. You know, not quite... I mean, baseball players, water polo players, not really total jocks, but you'll find jockish types. My heart really wasn't in that. It was in the parties and... But I wanted to kind of, I probably would have been more at home with the, the dorky theater people. Actually, they had this really great costume party at the end of it. And it kind of, I mean, getting back to the three-day stretch period, it allows for this sort of hyper-romanticization of the most the easiest period of college to hyper-romanticize, the beginning. Because you don't have to worry about the end. You don't even have to worry about the middle, which actually involves, like, schoolwork and settling into routines, developing relationships. Uh, things change. You meet new people. You grow apart from other people. That's literally part of... That's, that's not just unique to college. Beginnings with uh, looking out at the world. It makes you feel good to remember, at least in my in in in, in my shoes, that that period of of my life when. Yeah, I was I was somebody who was really excited for college to kind of get out of uh, fresh change. I mean, I was a closeted trans person at the time, but I wanted to go find my place within the artsy-fartsy types that you find at college but don't necessarily see always in your hometown. Even if you do see them, maybe you're not friends with them because that's the way the world works. But in college, you can seek out those types and befriend them instantly because in that period of your life, everything is new and fresh. And I mean, Linklider is obviously an older man who is romanticizing a... Older period of time, like, I, this was circa, like, 2009, 2010. 2009 when I got to college, but... So, we're talking 30 years earlier, or 30 years later than when Everybody Wants Some takes place. But I guess, like, for a lot of people who, you know, didn't grow up surrounded by 9-11, physical collapses, pandemics... uh Older people kind of had to sort of move on, have, have families. Uh, I'm 29. I have a relationship, but uh, I don't have any kids. I live in Long Beach, a place where kind of people do, you can go to bars on Fridays, and people are kind of living sort of continuation of uh, a life that's not necessarily too dissimilar to something that you would see in a college. And 
I guess, you know, it kind of warms my heart in a sort of weird way. Part Something that kind of drove me to transition originally was the idea that there was a, that my clock was winding down. And it wasn't really plenty of people transition in their 30s, 40s, even older. Power to everybody who's making this this making that decision at whatever point in time that you're at. But for me, knowing that people like you get your back, you get weird back hair when you when you're in your mid twenties, you your mustache starts to grow more. I mean, for some people, it clearly happens. Uh, earlier but hadn't happened for me and I'm thinking to myself all right I'm in grad school I have time to bang this shit out this little gender swap what like, like what are you waiting for and a lot of that is indicative of the changing times uh LGBTQ acceptance all of that important stuff that uh helped me along the way but I was worried about kind of missing out and now I'm at the age where I am creeping up on the wrong side of 30, which increasingly, I mean, I'm hearing more and more is not really the worst thing in the world. And I'm feeling that. This movie, everybody wants some um, sort of hits, hits so close to home for me for all the reasons that have been outlined in this episode. The fact that it reminds me so much of a period in my life which at the point in time that it happened was basically the greatest thing that I'd had. And it was followed by an era that was not, that was by far not the best thing that I'd had. It was worse even, I guess, than probably high school. Where I thought like, oh, is this the part where the fun's over? That's just like, just, this just sadness that is rooted in every bit of nostalgia. Not every, but... I I mean, if you think... So, I mean, there there can be great nostalgia that makes you kind of feel happy. But all nostalgia involves celebrating a point in time that's different from the present. I mean, for... And, and that's, in some cases, if you're having a bad day or a bad stretch or a loved one has passed or something really bad has happened to you. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense, and it's healthy maybe even to think about earlier periods in your time. But wishing the past, wishing for the past to come back is, is kind of dangerous also because it can't come back. You can't recreate a period in your life like preseason. There's no way to do that. It's over. And there's... there's, It's fruitless to kind of... Uh, to kind of try and, and, and make that happen again or to dwell too much on the fact that the, the past is in the past. But for me especially, just like... To think back between the, the first time I saw it in 2016 and now, how different my life is now between then and now. On different hormones, uh, I have different genitals, I have different relationship status. I am infinitely happier than I used to be. 
I'm infinitely happier now than I was at this time that I keep thinking about. That was my favorite part of college. Life is now much better than now than it was then. And yet, I mean, I still smile when I when I when I think about it. Which is certainly healthier. I mean, under different circumstances, it would be perfectly it would be a good topic to talk about how my college experience was lost because I went through it in the wrong gender. I would have had a, especially at a place like BC, a Jesuit school, I would have had a totally different college experience had I transitioned during college. And I've, I, as I've seen, like last, uh, last summer, Tara and I went back when people could travel, went to Boston, met friends back then, uh, back uh, last year who I hadn't seen in a while. My life would have been infinitely different. I probably would have had completely different friends. I almost certainly would have had completely different friends. At a place like BC, I probably wouldn't have been totally welcomed. Uh, probably would have transferred somewhere else. I would have had 100% different experience. And my 20s would be totally different having transitioned and, and gone through life. I, I probably would have a different name. If I'd transitioned that long ago, because I would have cared so much more about us, us just fitting in and all of that, not caring as much now as a uh, aging, aging. Maybe I'm still a hipster, but I like to refer to myself as a retired hipster. It would be so completely different, and that's like an endless. My I actually don't really think that much about that, because I mean, what would the point be? There is no point. I can't change the past. And I can actually simultaneously look back fondly on a period of my uh, life that if I went back in time, I actually, this, this period that I'm current, that I've been romanticizing, I would not repeat it. I would transition earlier. I'd roll the dice. I would take those good, fond memories and I would roll them for, I'd take a chance on some new ones. That's, uh, that, that's, where this this odd thing called nostalgia comes into such comes under such weird scrutiny. I had a good life before, and yet I, if if I could do it all over again, I would do a lot of things. I would I would do. I mean, even beyond everybody, I mean, some people say I wouldn't do anything differently if they go back in time. I I think in most cases, in most circumstances, in most lives, they're. Well, I should change a couple of things, but this is such an abstract, these things that we're talking about. I would, uh, I would do a lot differently. The, the, the major stuff, I would, I would go back and live a very different life. Which doesn't mean the life I live was bad. It just means that the past is not this just glorious thing that we, we need to go and, and relive and revisit. And aging isn't this horrible, yucky thing that drains the life out of you. I mean, I, I'm totally... Take everything I just said about that with a grain of salt. I'm 29. I can feel differently four years down the road. But I feel differently than I did four years earlier. 
And I'm like the kind of person who I really hate having birthdays. I don't, I don't want to grow older. I'll be 30 next year. I'm in my final year of being of my 20s. I'm about to close a chapter. I mean, there have been a lot. In some ways, my 20s feel like they were a hundred different chapters, like end of college, post-college, grad school, then sort of transition, pre-hormone transition, post-hormone transition. You could carve so many different chapters, and I don't mean to meander. Although if you're still listening by now, that's probably, you should have apologized for meandering earlier. (laughs) It's I mean it's 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 okay. I don't want that time back. I guess is is another funny thing. I was able to smile at this movie. I would I would watch another like you can make a Netflix series based on everybody wants some and I would totally 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 watch that. And I I bet it would it would be so fun. I mean you could probably get most of the actors back. Tyler Hoichin has got his uh, Superman and Lois, so he wouldn't come back. But Oh, and you got the Lodge, uh, Wyatt Russell. He was on that Lodge 49 that people liked. Set in Long Beach, which is where we're recording from. I would love to spend more time with those people. And I think it's just kind of magical that... I mean, the, the great power of Linkletter's storytelling is that he's able to just carve these these tiny snippets of life and he's able to do something with that it's a it's there's power in a story without a story really that is just relying solely on emotion if you didn't like if you didn't go to college you didn't play sports or something if 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 you have no if there's no period in your life that bears any resemblance to the people who lived life in uh this movie everybody wants some is maybe maybe you're not in the everybody in the everybody wants some maybe you don't want some you know he's he's telling a story about a specific type of experience that did happen to resonate with me but there's plenty of people out there who say who the fuck cares i kind of feel that way about a lot of his other material and I don't even, like, I'm not sure I would totally put this movie on a pedestal and say, like, I, I do think it's a great movie. I would say, like, oh, it's one of the greatest movies. It's not one of my favorite movies, either. I think a lot about it in uh, in conjunction with, uh, there's a movie called Pirate Radio, which came out, I like, 2009, that I saw right before college. Uh, a big ensemble cast. It's got Bill Nighy, uh... Siphons, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Chris O'Dowd, a uh, lot of uh, famous actors, Reese Darby. Fun movie, sort of also kind of a hangout movie with a meandering plot, similar to this, uh, that I like a lot, but I wouldn't defend in, as, as a movie that's greater than how it's regarded. These are both, Everybody Wants Him is a very, very good movie that, it's not going to hit home for everybody, it, but for me at least, the power of film is when you try and capture the emotion of an experience and as an audience member, you're able to feel something as a result of it. And there are so many movies out there where I don't really have any personal connection to 
the material in question, and I was moved regardless. I mean, I, we watch a lot of uh, Saturdays, usually our Criterion Collection Day, where we watch movies that are usually decades old, often in foreign countries. Uh, hard to relate to a lot of those, but but the the power of film is to make you feel something. And this movie made me feel a lot. I think if 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 there's the one, maybe maybe I finally figured out what I've been trying to get at. I think nostalgia for college often revolves around the idea that college is is full of endless possibilities. Real life, essentially. I mean, you could go outside and maybe make a lifelong friend standing on the corner randomly that could happen it probably won't happen and if you try to go out there and make it happen it probably will you'll just get arrested or somebody will say you're a creep or you'll wind up on some reddit thread for somebody saying how ridiculous it was but we miss the chances to step outside our comfort zone to feel something different to do something different and to feel like we're living in our best uh Best timeline. That's, I guess, you know, you miss, like, part of the beauty of living in a place like Long Beach as a trans woman is uh, you meet people who are like you, who are open to fun experiences, going to do artsy things. I mean, Tara's so wonderful in that regard. Uh, she's always down for indulging in, in artsy stuff. So I guess that's also why I'm not nostalgic. I have a loving partner who lets me kind of explore new I was trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound sexual because it's not we like to do things that are outside the realm of norm new experiences go to experience I keep saying experience it's important to be able to wake up and do something new and that's when I think about college, uh, I mean, even if you're just having like a repetitive party, it seems like, you know, parties have, have endless possibilities, even though they don't really, you can feel that way. But, it, it, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's one of those narratives that, you know, I, it, 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 if you think about the, I, I, I'm struggling with the idea that this movie warrants a podcast episode when it's not one of my absolute favorites. I could do podcast episodes on any number of movies, and yet we're doing one on this one. But it's one I've just been thinking about so much that I had to do something that expressed the feelings that it makes me feel, why I, why that, why I feel them. And if you found this episode based on a common affection for this film maybe my experiences feel somewhat like yours although as a transgender person whose experiences with this are heavily influenced by thoughts of my own transition maybe they don't but anyway it's good to do a hybrid film sort of transgender story time type topic but i highly recommend it um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere right now. You'd have to buy it on demand or rent it or it was on prime for a while. Uh, get a library. That's what I like to do. Uh, I, I recommend it. 
it says, you know, the slice of life as as an author, slice of life is is kind of regarded. Uh, I get yelled at for being too much, uh, spending too much of my time focusing on sort of writing literary fiction, not heavily plot based uh, or genre fiction. I love a good meandering story. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you enjoyed this this meandering podcast episode. But uh, if you're still with us, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>